0: It is so great to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you had a chance to get your picture out there with your mom or at least get a picture on your way out. Uh, We're so excited to have you guys here today. We're going to continue a series that we started a couple of weeks ago. Assembly Required, where we're talking about a beginner's guide to repairing relationships. And no matter who you are, no matter what stage of life that you are in, we are all going to face relationships that are at an impasse, aren't we? And we're gonna to come to that place where you're like, I don't know where we go from here. <laughs> I don't know how we move forward. I don't really know what to say. It seems like everything I say is wrong. What do we do when we get in those places? And that's really kind of what this whole series is about. And now to think about this another way, um, every time we buy a toy or a piece of furniture, it comes with assembly instructions, doesn't it, right? And that's always a lot of fun. And hopefully they're, they're, they're in English, uh, at least part of it. And, uh, and also with the assembly instructions, they come with a troubleshooting guide. You ever get one of those? Yeah, the problem with the troubleshooting guide, as far as I can, I'm concerned, is that the trouble they're shooting is not always the trouble I'm having. And I'm having to get on the 800 number and find out where the screws all went. So, uh, yeah, we've always had these kind of issues. But in a general sense, we are almost always better at assembly than we are at reassembly. We're better at starting things than trying to fix things and that goes for everything from furniture to relationships relationships gets a little dicey it gets a little hard trying to fix them and last time I talked to you about this topic I talked about the fact that All of us, including our parents and our grandparents and us and someday our kids, we all tend to grab for a a particular approach whenever conflict arises in a relationship. And I called it the C4 list or the C4 approach to relationships. Now pay no attention to the fact that C4 is a plastic explosive that could really do a lot of damage because that's what these things many times do. Convince, convict, coerce, control. We all tend to grab for one of these when conflict arises in our relationship, we have a go-to, don't we? And, and my question for you this morning, before we go any further, why? Why do we reach for one of these four? Here's the reason. We're crazy. <laughs> We're crazy because these don't work for anybody, do they? But we keep on using them many times. I'll tell you, I'll tell a little story on myself here. Just recently, I was talking to my oldest daughter, Lindsay. She's 24 years old, and those of you who might know Lindsay, you know she is nothing if not totally, brutally honest, okay? And uh, we were talking in the car, and I reached for convince, okay? We, we were having this little disagreement, and I'm reaching for convince. I didn't really realize I did it until I was sort of in midstream. You know how sometimes you're like, oh, this probably was not the right approach. But when I go for convince, Vince, I don't know about the rest of you, I'm going to hit you with so many facts and information that you're just going to, you can't, there's no comeback to that. And it, you know, it fixes the relationship. It's awesome. Like, no, it doesn't. Right. And I remember I was driving, I looked, she was sitting back behind me, which is kind of funny because she's a grown adult. She wasn't in a car seat or anything, but anyway, <laughs> she was sitting in the back. And I said, look, I'm sorry. I hope that didn't sound too preachy. And she looked back at me in the mirror and she said, yes, it did. And so she said, again, very honest, but I bet you have a go-to as well convince, convict, coerce, control. You have one that you go to every time there's a conflict in your marriage, with your kids, at work, you, and you're like, oh yeah, we're, I'm gonna try to keep this like polite and civil and everything, but I'm gonna win this thing, all right? And you have a go-to. Maybe it's, maybe it is the, um, you know, the one that I just named about trying to uh, convince, maybe it's trying to convict. It's kind of playing that blame and shame game, and, and it could happen at work, it could happen at home. At work, it might go something like this. After all of the, 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 the breaks, after all of the benefits, after all of the times I've vouched for you, you treat me like this, you act like this to me, you're gonna be like this to me at home. Maybe it goes, After all the sacrifices I've made for you, after everything I've done for you, after all we paid for to help you out, and now you're gonna act like this, and it goes like that, and you think, well, it's just gonna melt them down into a little puddle, and that'll fix the relationship, and it doesn't. And the coerce and the control are kind of two sides of the same coin. They're both an attempt to try to, you know, manipulate and get people to do what you want them to do. In the end, And you may say, well, Will, it's because I'm right. You know what? You might be right. And you might even be biblical and right. But here's the thing that all four of those C's have in common. You know what they have in common? It's the way they make the other person feel. And you know what they make the other person feel? They make the other person feel rejection. Rejection. Do you know what is kryptonite to a relationship? Rejection, every time, it is always kryptonite to relationships. As a matter of fact, rejection is kryptonite even when you are right, even when you are biblical. I've tried it. I can tell you from experience. It, that is exactly how it works. Because deep down, you know what everybody actually wants out of a relationship, what they're deep down sort of questions that they're asking, even before they're too little to ask it or articulate it or even think about it this deeply? Do you really like me for me? Do you really love me for me? Before I agree to go along with your agenda or go along with your goals for me or what you you think's best for me, do you really love me for me? Or you just love me because I do what you ask and I go along and I behave properly. And that really, therein lies, ladies and gentlemen, the big challenge for us, those of you who are Christ-following people, Christian people, this is the big challenge for us in this day that we live. How do we love unconditionally people we don't agree with? How do we love people who are on opposite ends of the spectrum politically from us? How do we love unconditionally people who have adopted lifestyles that we could never condone? We could never say that's okay. We could never, but can we still love those people? Because this is where the church in general has fallen down in recent years. And I think we could all agree that this last couple of years has been through the you know election cycle and the covid and all of the racial tension it is that christians in general have not done a great job of saying listen we may not agree with, but we're going to love unconditionally the people that God has put in front of us, and we're going to show. And but doesn't mean, and hear me, doesn't mean that you throw out your conviction. We don't throw out the Bible at all, not even for a second. But when we begin to say, how do we love them? How do we? And we looked at this last week. How do we love them the way Jesus loves us? Jesus says, "This is how you—they will know you are my disciples." when you love one another the way I have loved you. And this is so incredibly important for us to begin to start to ask those questions. And how do we do that even right down in our relationships with each other? So incredibly important. And um, part of the reason why we're talking about this is because fixing relationships is not intuitive. Fixing relationships, even though we kind of think, well, that shouldn't be that hard. It is, it is really hard. And here's part of the reason why it's so hard. Reassembling a broken relationship is a learned skill. It is a learned skill. In other words, it is not a born, born skill. You're not born with this idea. You, can't, you didn't just w- come into the earth knowing how to fix relationships. And the, and the other thing that is really true for most of us is that when you were growing up in your home, you probably didn't see this modeled really well. And almost nobody has somebody pull you aside and say, hey, sweetheart, hey, little buddy, let me let me teach you, let me just tell you how to reconcile a broken relationship. <laughs> nobody, almost nobody did that. And what you did get was wrong. It was incorrect. And this is why so few people know how to navigate these really tricky and difficult waters when we have rifts, breaks in our relationships. How do we reconcile? How do we mend and reassemble these broken places in our relationships because it is so important that we begin to put attention on this because as many of you have learned and maybe you've seen the research on this uh, we are only as happy as our core relationships are healthy you're only as content as your core relationships are healthy and no counselor anywhere ever said you know what all your problems stem from Your relationships are just too healthy with your family and with your spouse. Like, gosh, like all your problems come from that. No counselor anywhere ever said that, right? It was always the opposite. And part of the reason we feel miserable is because we haven't put the energy, we haven't put the focus on this and say, this needs to get fixed. Making more money ain't going to fix it. Being more successful is not going to fix it. Being more, achieving more, getting more recognition, whatever we think, if we could just get, then that'll kind of help cover over and medicate and whatever. It doesn't. We have to work on broken relationships. As a matter of fact, if you're a follower of Christ, therein lies the greatest potential for spiritual growth in your life is in the arena of the most strained and fractured relationships of your life. Now, last time we talked about what the goal of this series is and what it is not. Let me cover that real quick. The goal is not reconciliation of the series. Now, that may sound counterintuitive. We're praying for reconciliation. We're working for it, but we can't set a goal for another adult person. And and unlike a broken piece of furniture where you have access to all the pieces to be able to put it back together, a broken relationship, you have only access to half the pieces and if the other person is not willing to work with you you can't reconcile this is why we can't make that a goal you can only set goals for you so the goal for the series the goal that we're shooting for is no regrets and last week we looked at the fact that the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12 verse 18 he says if it is possible as far as it depends on you and on me live at peace with everyone as far as it depends on you, to, in other words, do everything possible, everything that you can to try to put out the welcome mat and the relationship, lower the drawbridge of emotional you know, availability, that you're willing to try to remove any and all obstacles that are unessential to get out of the way so that you take the pressure off the other person so you can begin to move towards each other, move towards reconciliation. This is so incredibly important. This is what we're shooting for, and this is what Jesus taught us, that you are to love unto others the way that God and Christ has loved you. Do unto others as God has done unto you, to do for others what God has done for you. And the Apostle Paul even relays that teaching of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. He says this, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same, let's say it together, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I want you to have the same approach in your relationships that Jesus did. I want you to really begin to treat people and think about people and see people and feel towards people the same way that Jesus did. Now that might feel impossible. As a matter of fact, some of you are thinking about some of the hardest things you've been through and what people have done to you and you're kind of tempted to pump the brakes right now and say, wait, wait, wait. Wait, I don't know, like that sounds great, very spiritual and everything, but I was the offended party. I was like, it was done to me, Will. And I would tell you to remember that Jesus also was the offended party. And it was Jesus who took the first step that he moved towards us. He took the first step of reconciliation, that Jesus came from heaven to Earth, the the next few verses, verses six through eleven of Philippians two, I encourage you to go back and read that, where Paul says, "Who, being in the very nature of God, came to earth, humbled himself, became a servant, laid his life down for us to pay the penalty of sin, so that Jesus might move out of the way the one big nasty obstacle between us being reconciled to God and that being sin. He came to forgive sin so that we might know him and not just just be forgiven, but be reconciled to God in right relationship. See, God wasn't content to just say, you're forgiven. No, he wanted to be fully and completely reconciled to us. And now he asks us to do the same for each other. Reassembly begins with us, regardless of who initiated the fuss. I know that sounds a little cute and it rhymes and everything. It rhymes because it's true. (laughs) It's so true. The reassembly always starts with us, even if or regardless of who initiated the fuss, even if the other person in your mind was 100% to blame and you're like 0% to blame. And even though you might have a story that would say, no, Will, I have been hurt and they hurt me, they hurt my family, they hurt my child, there's no way, I can't move towards them. I wanna just encourage you that you would be willing to be open to say yes that I would be willing to do unto them what they have, what God and Christ has done for me. That I would be willing to make this first decision. And I wanna, what I would like to do over these next several weeks, and we're going to start today, I'm going to give you four decisions that you need to make that are critical to reconciliation. And today we're just going to talk about the first one and unpack it. But if you're not a believer, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ today, listen, these steps, these, these decisions are going to be very helpful. I think you'll find them to be very helpful. Uh, but they're optional for you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, these are not optional for you. These are required. This is what it's required as a follower of Jesus Christ And I want to share with you the very first one. And this first one, until we settle this and we wrestle this to the ground and we really start to say, I'm committed to doing this, all attempts to reconcile, all attempts to reassemble a relationship, we will self-sabotage either intentionally or unintentionally until we settle this first one. Here's the first one. I will get back to them, not get back at them. I'm going to commit right now that I'm going to get back to them, not get back at them. Because this, ladies and gentlemen, is what it looks like to be like our Father in heaven. This is what it looks like to reflect the heart of Jesus, to begin to love like Jesus. And the Apostle Paul He begins to unpack for us in the New Testament, what does it look like to have the mindset of Christ? How do we love other people this way? How do we really begin to reconcile and move forward in our relationships? And he does this in Romans chapter 12. And you need to understand, when he's writing to this audience, this is a group of Christians that are under Nero's Rome, where they are being persecuted to death for being Christians. And along with that, they're having just the regular pressures of just being a part of a church, that they're having all kinds of issues in their community. And they're trying to navigate tricky waters of how do we move forward with people we don't fully agree with and we have issues with, and we're not really that mature yet. And we're all kind of learning as we go, and he's trying to give them guidelines. And here's what I'd like to do. In Romans chapter 12, we're going to start with verse 9 where Paul says here, he says, here's how, here I want, here's how I would like you to start. Love must be, let's say it together, love must be sincere. I want you to be genuine, authentic. Don't pretend. Don't fake. In other words, I want you to begin to pray, God, help me to see them the way you see them. Once we begin to see other people the way God sees them, then you can, like, until you do that, you really don't have a prayer of a chance to be able to love them sincerely. You have to begin to see, this is when huge shifts begin to happen on the inside of us. Oh, I've never seen them like that before. I've never looked at them in that light. I've never seen, they're like actual human beings. They actually, I actually need to, like, I, can, I need to care for them. I need to show compassion. And then Paul shifts to another powerful relational principle in the second half of verse 9. He says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. In other words, I want you to reallocate your hate. What if you decided, I'm going to stop hating people and I'm going to start hating circumstances. I'm going to start hating the situation. I'm gonna stop hating who's and I'm gonna start hating what's. I'm gonna stop letting myself, and, and I'm gonna to begin to let God not only help me see them differently, but begin to, to feel towards them differently. When we start to see them differently, you'll start to see the good in people, even people you thought, I'd never be able to find anything good in that guy or that girl ever, 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 right? God will help you to begin to see them the way he sees them. And it can be radical, radical. Now, in verse 10, next verse, Paul says this. He says, be devoted to one another in love. Let's say this next word together. Ready, one, two. Honor one another above yourselves. I want you to honor one another. In other words, I want you to put the other person first, which means my pride and ego go second. Way back here, right? Right? I'm going to put the other person first and I'm going to start practicing that. I'm going to just practice starting putting other people first. What are the first words that come out of my mouth when I start a conversation? Is it, Will did this and I did that and I think this and I think that? Instead of, hey, tell me about you and how are you doing and how is life for you? And we just naturally, this the human nature is to gravitate toward back to ourself. And we're super Sensitive to anybody who encroaches upon our personal rights and space. And we have to reorient our mind and our heart to, like, put other people first. This is so incredibly important. And then he goes on to say, he says, Bless, uh, pardon me, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse This might be one of the hardest things that he wrote in this entire chapter. Bless those who persecute you? Like, I want you to refuse to do to them what they are doing to you. I want you to refuse to talk about them the way they are clearly talking about you. And this word bless here literally means to speak well of or to commend them to others. (laughs) That's right. I want you to speak well of them. I want you to look for something good. And if you can't think of anything good, then don't say anything at all, right? But look for something to commend them for. Look for that. God, help me to see the good in this person. I refuse to let this get a hold of my heart and turn me against them. Because that unforgiveness, that jadedness and cynicalness is like a cancer that will eat us up. We've gotta relinquish that to God and ask him to begin to change our hearts. Verse 15, he says this, he says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. In other words, I want you to begin to um, refuse to celebrate their failures and mourn their successes, right? because and, and i 'm sure that people read that, and they said, "Well Paul, what if, what if like what if their mourning makes me really happy? Have you ever had that happen? I mean, come on, I know it's hard to admit this in, in church, but where somebody's telling you something that's bad that's happened to somebody that you can 't stand, right and you're like, Wait, what happened to them? oh, that 's horrible and they 're like why are you why are you smiling uh, I'm not smiling <laughs> Yes, you are I bring that up to say that happens to to me sometimes. Here's what I'm I'm trying to say. Pay close attention to those moments where that happens, where we want to celebrate their failure and we want to mourn their successes. That therein lies the place that God wants to go to work in your heart and in mine. This is where God's saying, this is where we need to do some work. You want to break through spiritually in your life? Let me start working on you right here. This is the place nobody wants to work. Like, God, no. You know, like, let my breakthrough be, I found this incredible gift or talent I didn't know I had that now will make me a million dollars. Yeah, that's not typically how... God's like, that's not going to fix anything. If anything, that's going to make your problems a lot worse because now you're not healthy enough to handle it. And so he is trying to help us. In this, Like, will you bring that to me? Will you surrender that to me? Would you... Let me meet you in the middle of that tension that you feel. Here's what verse 16 says. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. And you know what pride does? Pride goes and reaches for one of the C4. Convince, convict, coerce, control. And it's an attempt to say, let me show you how I'm right and you're wrong. (laughs) And this will fix the relationship. And it doesn't. It doesn't fix the relationship it is a way of hurting the relationship and we have to begin to say I'm not gonna let my pride try to dominate the other person anytime there's a winner and a loser the relationship loses right there, there needs to be a coming together a listening to one another a compassion a kindness and a humility Man, it is crazy. Humility can make miracles happen in relationships if people would just approach each other with a humble heart that willing to listen, be compassionate, kind, patient. It's incredible what can happen. In verse 17, he goes on to say this. He says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil because that's human nature, right? Human nature says, oh, I'm going to pay him back. I'm going to pay her back. I'm going to give to her what she gave to me. I'm going to get her back. And when you tell your story to somebody else, they might even say, yeah, whatever that guy, whatever that girl gets, they deserve after what they did to you. Whatever happens, they deserve because of what they did to you. There is a human nature in us that wants to get back at them but it is God's will for us to get back to them. This is not easy. This takes concerted effort. This takes us involving God in the process. But we need to be reminded that God was not content to just forgive us. That was just halfway. God wasn't content to just go halfway. He was willing to go all the way to reconciliation. You see, God did not stop with forgiveness. Forgiveness was a means to an end, and reconciliation was that end. That Jesus was, he came so that that full reconciliation, being fully reconciled with God, would happen for us. And then the apostle Paul comes back, in places like 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where he says, now I give you the ministry of reconciliation. I'm calling you, every one of you, to go out and, and show this, the kind of crazy love, irrational love that God has shown to you to help other people both be reconciled with God and with you. You see, we gotta be willing to come to that place where we're willing to say, listen, God so loved us that he moved in our direction, not to get back at us, but to get back to us. That's what he did. And now he's calling all of us to do the exact same thing. During this message today, I hope somebody's come to mind, somebody in your family, somebody in your friendship circle, somebody you work with, somebody that you've had a falling out with, it's just never been quite the same, it's been tense, it's been Nobody likes that pressure. Nobody likes the tension. You feel like you got to pretend around them. The, the love is not sincere. Let's be honest. Come on. Something needs to happen. Somebody needs to take a step. Reconciliation depends on us regardless of who initiated the fuss. Are you willing to take a step? Here's what I'd like to do right now. I want to give you a prayer to pray. And I've seen this prayer really work miracles in people's life, if you really sincerely pray it, take the person who God's brought to your mind, the person that you've had a falling out with, and you would just insert their name in these blanks here. Heavenly Father, help me to see him or her the way you do. Help me to feel towards blank what you feel towards them. God, help me to begin to see them and to feel towards them the way you see them and the way you feel towards them and I know you're mad at them. And, and, and all of us human beings, if we heard your story, we'd say, I understand why you're mad at them. I get it. But begin to pray, God, help me to be more upset over the broken relationship than I am mad at them. Be, uh, like, We gotta come to a place where we understand God isn't just mad at them. God's not mad at them. God is brokenhearted over the sin that has separated them from him and separated them from you, possibly, and, and, and that he wants to reconcile both with him and with you. That's what he desires. He's slowly trying to help put this world back together. This is part of being a citizen in the kingdom of God. He wants to help bring his kingdom to earth, and part of it is every time you and I take a step that looks like and behaves like Jesus Christ, a little more of heaven comes to earth. It is a beautiful thing to see somebody humble themselves and take a step towards reconciliation, even if they don't fully accomplish it. It is powerful, it changes something on the inside of us. When we feel towards them what our heavenly Father feels towards them, it becomes easier to move towards them. And it will change something on the inside of us. It will radically begin to transform us into his image. Because we are dying to self, we're dying to the flesh, and the spirit is coming alive within us. It's so powerful. We be, really begin to take this to heart and really living this out. So my, my, my challenge for you today, and I know this is scary. I know this is uncomfortable. And for some of you, are like, I don't know if I can even do this well. It's been so long. It's going to be so hard. And I can't even think of how it's going to happen. But would you just commit right now? I commit. I will, not, I, I will get back to, not get back at. I'm committing right now, I will get back to, not get back at. I'm just going to take a baby step towards them. And I want to give you a couple of questions for conversation for later. I I want to encourage you to keep talking about this. And maybe it's just these questions become um, starters for, for prayers with God even. But here's the first question. Which of the C4s did your parents use with you? Convince, convict, coerce, control. This might not be the conversation to have with your mother over lunch. I'm not sure, but you might want to wait on that one and just have that with somebody else. But this will help you baby, to say, oh, yeah, I think that's probably why it's a go-to for me. It's kind of what I grew up with, right? Number two, what's your initial reaction to the idea that reconciliation begins with us regardless of who initiated the fuss? are you just like no way that there's no no truth to that that just can't happen or are you saying wow that's sobering and that's i never knew that that's scary and but if that's what following jesus looks like i'm going to start praying for the courage to do that i'm going to start moving i'm going to start making some kind of motion maybe it's just a little baby step it's just something something And then here's number three. I want to share that prayer with you. If you had to, whose name would you put in the blank? Heavenly Father, help me to see blank the way you do. Help me to feel towards blank what you feel. Now, for those of you who are already on our BF Series text uh, that we send out these message uh, questions, uh, then you'll get this this afternoon. For those of you who would like this prayer and these questions, all you have to do is text BF Series to 97000, and we will put you on the list, and we can send that out to you. You can stop it at any time you want. But just wanted to be able to send that out to you if you'd like to have that and to share that with some other people. But I just want you to be thinking about this and thinking about the idea that we would be willing to commit, really take this to heart, like really start to do this. Because few, I believe, in our world are really committed to doing this right now. But let's do for others what our heavenly father through jesus christ has done and is doing for us to love unto others the way god has loved unto us once again thanks for listening if you live in the brazos valley we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services for directions service times and information about our fabulous children's and student environments Visit us at brazzesfellowship.com. That's brazzesfellowship.com.